welcome him as he comes. God bless you, Pastor Jamil, as you bring us the word this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Um, well, happy 4th of July, everybody. 3rd of July, but tomorrow, you know. Uh, before we get started here, I want to, I just want to share something with you guys. Uh, if I could have my wife stand up, please. Mi amor, tú puedes. Oh, gracias. So, we're expecting a child. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I share that with you so that y'all may pray with us. Pray, pray with us. And, uh, you know, she, she's 14 weeks. Yeah, four, 14 weeks today. Four, four, 14 weeks today. And uh, thankfully, um, the baby is, is moving, heartbeat, all good, healthy, no problems. What's going on, Naomi? Good to see you back here from college. Um, and and uh, uh, we don't know the gender yet, so we'll, we'll keep, you, keep you guys posted. But thank you for celebrating with us. Keep us in prayer. I wanted to share that with you. Please refrain from touching her belly right now. Don't do it as much as you want to do it. Uh, that's just me being a good husband. So, <laughs> um, so, let's, so let's jump into the word. We're going to be in John chapter 8. Uh, and before we go, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence in this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that is leading us and guiding us in your word today. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, to soften our hearts to your word and just to make your heart to us so clear today. I pray that our hearts would be encouraged by the hope of the cross. Our hearts would be convicted, God, by you, Holy Spirit, and that you would ultimately draw us closer to you. And for anybody in this room who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Father God, that today you will save them, Lord, and that their hearts would be softened to you, Father God, and that they would respond to you. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. John chapter 8, starting at verse 31 to 32. Jesus is in a discussion here uh, with some Jewish leaders. He's, he, he's really going at it. And um, here... Uh, uh, he's explaining of himself. He's showing himself. He's explaining just how he is from above. They are from here. He is not um, just like some other prophet, but that, but, that, but that he is God. And then here, just throughout this discussion, and uh, uh, he says this. In verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Obviously, we're celebrating freedom tomorrow, but what are we really celebrating tomorrow? Freedom from another country, a free constitution, free trade, a free press, 
free speech, and the list goes on. We are celebrating a freedom that people would die for and people have died for. But the problem is that while we may be free in this country, it may be even boast of the freedoms we have as citizens in this nation. Many of us so-called free people are still nothing more than slaves. Jesus says this in verse 34 of John chapter 8. He says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. This master that fills your heart with darkness, you are unable to escape. Every desire that commands of you, you pursue. It keeps you in an endless pursuit of more, more pleasure, more power, more pride, until the end and it's time to pay the debt of your doings, only to find yourself paying the ultimate price of eternal death, eternal damnation. So I ask you today, are you really free? You live in a free nation, but are you really free? Jesus says we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. What truth? Not only the truth of who Jesus is, his mission, the Father's plan, but also the truth of our condition. Knowing we are being held captive is the first step towards the most important freedom that we can experience. But free from what? The first being freedom from the guilt of sin. In John chapter 3, Jesus shows us one of the many reasons some desire to stay in the dark. We look at John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is how the enemy keeps us enslaved, with guilt and shame. We can do our deeds, our sinful deeds, in the dark and hide. Nobody will know. There's an invitation to the light, light himself, Jesus, but we hide from him, we reject him because we do not want our deeds to be seen. We don't want to be exposed. We can't come into the light because people will see who we really are. We can't come into the light and expose ourselves to God because God will see who we really are. But I think for most of us, too, we can't come into the light because we're afraid to see who we really are. We have an idea of ourselves of being a good person. I've, I, I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed anybody. I've never done any of these serious sins. I'm good. Coming into the light exposes us to ourselves. And I think that that's the fear 
and the guilt and the shame that the enemy uses to enslave us to keep us from being completely free. Truly free, I should say. No one wants to do that. We'd rather hide, sweep it under the rug, distract ourselves from the reality of our hearts. Stranger Things just came on season four. We want to watch. It's like two-hour episodes. It's crazy. Whatever we watch on Netflix or however much we're scrolling on, um, on YouTube, I was, I was, I was going to say TikTok, but I was like, I'm, I'm not speaking to the youth this morning. Just, just whatever, whatever we are scrolling through, just distracting ourselves, or maybe even just working too hard, just working ourselves, um, trying to pursue something that is not eternal, but instead carnal and of this world. Jesus wants to deal with our sin. Jesus wants to show us our sin for what it is so that we can see it for what it is and that we can, we can reject it and accept the Lord and accept him as Lord and Savior, the one who can set us free from this guilt and shame. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. If you can put up verse 21 there of John chapter 3. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. The truth of Jesus' death and resurrection strips sin's power of guilt and shame that would keep us in the darkness hiding. The power of the cross gives us the power to reject sin. The power of the cross, the power of the blood enables us to humble ourselves before Jesus and say, yes, This sin is mine. I own it. I did this, and I give it to you because you are the one who can forgive forgive me. Let the light expose our sin to the one who sees it anyway. Let's invite the light. I challenge you to invite the light into any area of your life so that the light can expose the sin to the one who sees it anyway. Who are we really hiding it from? God sees it anyway. He sees it anyway. It makes, we're lying to ourselves if we think that we're hiding in the darkness. There's a scripture that always comes to mind. Uh, I think it's in Psalm 139, where it says, where can I go from your presence? Where, where can I go? And, and in there, he says that even if I make my beds in the depths, you are there with me. And it says that darkness is as light to you. We can't even hide in the darkness because God sees right through it anyway. We are fooling ourselves if we think that we're hiding from God. As a matter of fact, if we look at the beginning, Adam and Eve went into hiding and he calls out. And the Lord is calling out to you today. Where are you? Not because he doesn't know where you are, but do you know where you are? You know that you're hiding from an all-loving, all-powerful God? 
Do you know that you're medicating yourself, you're distracting yourself from your problems when God is the one that can solve your problems and give you peace and give you healing and give you rest and give you everything that you need, that your soul and your heart so desires? The Father's calling you out of the darkness and into the light because Jesus himself is light. Now let me encourage you today. We have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. Sin can't keep us in bondage. What is going to happen if you stop and go into the light by the truth of Jesus Christ? Is the Father going to see your sin, your dark heart, and punish you? Is that what you expect? If you are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore no condemnation for you. There is no condemnation. There is no punishment. There is no wrath left for you. If you are in Jesus, there is no wrath left for you. There is no punishment left for you. Jesus took all of the punishment on the cross in your place. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Instead, it says that we can boldly approach the throne of God. We can come to him in confidence, knowing that he will accept us because of the finished work of the cross. You and I were not good enough. The cross is powerful enough. You and I were not good enough. The blood is powerful enough. You and I are not good enough. The power of the Spirit is what makes us good enough. It justifies us. The blood justifies us. The cross justifies us. We are new creations in Jesus. You, the old you is dead. Put on the new creation as it says, as Paul says. This is my encouragement to you today. Do not hide from God. One, you're not hiding. He sees you anyway. Two, he's inviting you into the light. Humble yourself before God so that you can be free and truly, truly free. In, John, in 1 John 4, 18, it says, There is no fear in love. Because perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Our driving force of relationship with Jesus is not the fear of being punished by him. It's the cross. That we acknowledge that the cross has taken care of the punishment and wrath that belongs to us. But because of the cross, our driving force in relationship to Jesus, to the Father, is because he loves us so much. Later on, or even before, I don't know exactly where, it says, I love because you first loved me. And the Father loves you in this place. There is no sin, there is no sin that separates you from his love. He loves you in this place. In Christ Jesus, there's no punishment of sin, or, or, of, of sin left for you, all the wrath and punishment for your sin was put upon Jesus at the cross who stood in your place. He suffered what you deserve, and you will never have to pay a debt that has already been paid. Living in the truth of Jesus sets us free from the guilt of our sin. The enemy cannot accuse you. The enemy cannot hold your sin over you. The enemy cannot keep you in bondage. You are free in Jesus. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of the cross. And, 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 and ultimately, this is the power of God's love for you. He loves you. 
He loves you. That is the power of God's love. Not that he would accuse you. You know, before this, there's an interaction with, uh, with the woman that's, called in, that, that's caught in adultery. And these religious leaders bring her to Jesus. And it's such an opportunity for Jesus to just let her have it. She was caught in the act. She deserved to be punished for that sin. But Jesus responds to her with grace. Jesus responds to her by telling her, who, who here stands before you? Every, every, everybody left, and he's the only one standing there. Who here stands before you and accuses you? And she was able to say, looking at Jesus, no one is accusing me. Jesus is not the one who accuses us. Instead, he is the one who sets us free from our sin. And again, the guilt of our sin. Not only are we free from the guilt of sin, but we are free from the power of sin. I'm going to say a sentence, and it's going to sound a little bit weird at first, but I'm going to explain. Sin finds its power in the law of God. And this is what I mean. We could never live up to the law. So as long as we are trying to justify ourselves, uh, make ourselves right with God um, in the, by means of good behavior and following the law of God, we will always fail. We will always fail. We, are, we, we can't. Sin holds death over us for any of us who are trying to live under the law. In Galatians 5, Verses 16 through 18, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Being led by the Spirit Keeping in language like keeping in step with the Spirit points to being intentional with our relationship with Jesus, points to obedience in our relationship with Jesus. And it points to this idea that the Spirit is moving. The Spirit is alive and it is moving. And as long as we keep in step with the Spirit, we are following the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's commands in our lives. We will not be under the law. The law is fulfilled in Jesus. The law is not done away with, but we are able to live according to the law by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Follow God's commands, but not in your own strength. Follow God's commands, not by our own efforts, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us and, again, empowers us to walk the life that Jesus is calling us to. This is freedom. Freedom 
is not necessarily for us right now. It's not necessarily that we would never be tempted by sin. But freedom is actually being able to say no to sin. The problem, or maybe where we get hung up, maybe is what I should say, is that by becoming a Christian, maybe we think that, you know, I'm done. I'm never going to be tempted again. I'm sorry, that's just not the truth. But instead, freedom is being able to say no. Jesus says that whoever sins is a slave to sin. When we are in, under the bondage of sin, we don't have the power to say no to sin. We just do what it says. We do whatever the flesh desires. But here is the freedom that God gives us. The opportunity and the power to say no to the enemy. The opportunity and the power to say no to our flesh. The opportunity and the power to say no to temptation. This is who we are now under the cross, under the blood, as believers and children of God. That, that we can say no to the flesh and walk by the Spirit so that, so that we are not under the law. The power of sin, the threat that sin just threatens us with. This, this like big like, oh, you will go to hell forever. It's nothing. He's nothing. He's just a little, what are you doing? Um, that's just, sin, sin talks a big game. And for those of us that are in Jesus, his words fall, fall flat. But the power of the cross. But I will say this. Those of us who are not in Jesus, he's telling you the truth. What I mean by this, wait. Is that if you are not under Jesus, you will have eternal death and eternal damnation. But under Jesus, you will not. You will have eternal life. So we're free from those lies that sin tries to tell us. Jesus also points to something here. We are free from the guilt and shame of sin, and we're free from the power of sin. It does not control us. We are not enslaved to it anymore, but instead we are enabled to walk by the Spirit. But Jesus says something in John chapter 8, verse 31. It's the first one. He says, to the Jews who had believed him. Because there were a group of Jews that didn't believe him. And then they believed him. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Uh, can you pull up the ESV? He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. In the King James, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. It's interesting because in this conversation, continuing on, he calls them, he says in verse 31, that the Jews believed. And then he continues on and he calls them children of the devil. He, 
they claim, Abraham's my father. And Jesus says, if Abraham's your father, then you wouldn't want to kill me right now. But as a matter of fact, you're doing what your father wants. And your father is the devil. So where is the discrepancy here? How, how do we reconcile these two ideas? Because Jesus recognizes them as believing. And the thing here, and he qualifies their belief with, if you continue in my word, if you abide in my word, if you hold on to my teaching, then you are truly disciples. So for those of us in this room who say we believe, our words are not, our words without actions, it's just dead, like James says. But instead, we must continue on in the faith. The idea that, okay, um, the word, we may be hearing the word, and the word may continue in us, but there's no outward fruit of the word that's in us. But Jesus is challenging us to continue in the word that is in us, the word that he speaks to us, the truth and the power, again, of the cross and the freedom and the obedience and uh, the life that there is in obedience to Jesus as we are walking and continuing in, in this walk. There's a challenge for us, again, to keep in step with the Spirit. In Galatians, Paul also says, do not use your freedom to gratify the flesh. Do not use your freedom to gratify the flesh. Blah, 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 blah. Do not use your freedom to gratify, gratify the flesh. Sorry. Do not use your freedom. We have a choice here. God has set us free. But are you really, are you really free? Are you really free? How do you know you are free? Are you continuing in his word? What was the basis of your yes to Jesus? Was it an emotional moment? Was it you were just looking for change? You had a guilty conscience? You just wanted to feel good for a Sunday morning or whenever you accepted the Lord? What was the driving force? Because if it's anything other than a love for Jesus, a love for Jesus our King, then it will fall by the wayside. Your, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. He says it over and over again. If you love me, you will obey me. If you truly are my disciple, you will hold on to my words. If you truly are my disciple, you will abide in me and I in you. There's this relationship going on. Are you really I want you to be encouraged today and knowing that if you've come to a place where you say, no, I'm not really free, that's a good place to be at. Because now you're at a place where you can say, Lord, set me free. Lord, make me new. Lord, set me free from the bondage of my sins, from the, from the lies of the enemy, 
from the bondage of my addictions, from the bondage of my depression, from the bondage of, of, of my anger, from the bondage of my laziness, from the bondage of my lust. Set me free from these things. There's freedom in this place right now for you. Not because, again, you are good enough, but because the cross and the blood of Jesus is good enough and powerful enough to break our chains. Chains that we think that will never be broken in our life, they are broken in the name of Jesus. If you come to Jesus, you will be set free. You come to Jesus knowing and understanding that there's nothing you can do to set yourself free, but knowing and understanding that it's the cross that will set you free, you will be set free because those who are free by the Son are free indeed. That's Jesus' words himself. And this is the final promise, that when you are truly free, you are free. You are free. The enemy can't do anything to try to keep you in bondage. He can lie to you and make you think that you're in bondage, but you are truly, truly free in the name of Jesus. And that is the truth of the gospel. That is the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ for your life today. There is no condemnation for you. There's, not, there's no need to hide anymore. There's no need to hide anymore. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you can be set free and live the life that he has called you to live, a life that is completely and fully surrendered to him. And that is true freedom, that we would be completely and fully surrendered to Jesus. That is what freedom is. And that's the freedom that I want to remind you of today as you celebrate our nation's freedom tomorrow. That you are free in Jesus. The enemy is lying to you. If you are under the blood, the enemy is lying to you. If you are not under the blood, there is hope for you today. There's hope for you today. Can we stand up together? Father, we hold on to the hope and the promise of the cross. You died for us in this room, Lord God. You've set us free from sin, Father. There's power in the name of Jesus over every life in this room. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict the heart that is hiding from you in this place. God, that you would convict the heart that is too ashamed to come to you, that is too guilty to acknowledge the shortcomings in their life, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, God, that you would grab onto that heart right now in this place, Lord Jesus. And God, that you would soften that heart, that you would soften the hardened heart in this room, Father, that they may respond to you and to the gospel. There's hope in the name of Jesus. There's new life in the name of Jesus. 
There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind in this place. And for those in this room that are holding on, for those in this room that are continuing to hold on to the word, that are abiding in your word, Jesus, who are true disciples in this place, I pray that you would encourage them. God, I pray, Father, that you would protect them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them even closer to your heart, Lord Jesus. God, that they would see that the things that they sacrifice and the way that they love you day in and day out for your kingdom and for your glory, Lord, even the things that they have to suffer in, the, in your name, Father, God, that they would see that, it's, that, that none of it is in vain and that you are being glorified. You are being glorified, Father. Encourage their hearts. Strengthen them, Lord Jesus. Strengthen them, Father. All of us in this room humble ourselves before you, God. We're asking you, Lord, asking you, Father, to be our king, to bring us to a place of true surrender so that we can find true freedom in the name of Jesus. There's nowhere else that we can go, Lord God. Nowhere else that we can go. We come to you in this place knowing that you are the one who sets us free. I want to give an opportunity to anybody in this room who wants to respond to the gospel. And I want to pray with you this morning. If you responded to this gospel, if, if there's something in your heart that says, I am in the darkness and I want to be in the light. I recognize that I am a sinner and I want my sins to be forgiven. And I want eternal life and I do not want eternal damnation and eternal punishment. If you're in this room, and it's in your heart that you want to respond to Jesus by saying yes. I want to meet with you here at the altar. And th th guys, this is not for me. This is for you. I, I so strongly desire that you meet Jesus today in this room. And I want to pray with you. And, and even if you're the only one in this place, we would do nothing but celebrate the new life that has come to Jesus. So if you are in this room and you want to respond to Jesus, respond to the gospel by saying yes. I invite you here with me, and I want to pray with you.
Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to do something here. I know, I know that in this room right now, we know people that do not know the Lord. I just want to take a moment to pray for those people that are close to us who do not know the Lord. And pray that the Holy Spirit arrests their hearts. That the Holy Spirit saves them and softens their hearts. You know they're on your heart now. Let's pray. Father, we lift up those that we know that do not know you as King, that do not know you as Lord and Savior. We know people in our lives, in our circles, people that are close to us that are living in the darkness, that are slaves to sin, that are in bondage. And, I, and we lift them up to you, Jesus, here in this place. God, that your light would pierce their hearts. God, that the truth of the gospel would be made so clear to them, Lord Jesus. God, and that they would be saved. Would you save them, Father? I pray for everybody in this room, Lord God, that you would give us opportunities to show your heart to them. Opportunities in conversation or in action, God, to show them the gospel, God even for those that we've been trying and trying and praying for, Lord God. Let there be breakthrough in the name of Jesus. God, you can save the hardest heart. You can save the one who is so far in the dark. You can save the one who hates you, God. You can do it by the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross, Lord. So, Father, we pray for salvation today. We declare salvation today over, over the lives of the ones that we love that do not know you. We pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.